0: Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would speak to each one of us, whether or not we were expecting it. And would you teach us truth about yourself, about what it means to know you and to follow the Lord Jesus. And may we, each of us, end up, wherever we are now, as devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it for his name's sake. Amen. Well, what on earth are Paul and Linda doing this morning? We've heard some of their story from their own lips, but why this strange water ceremony? Look at it. It's an enormous pool of water what is going on here well the truth is that out of the nearly 200 countries around the face of this globe this year in the great majority of those countries something like this will be happening in some cases with thousands and thousands of people this is not actually as strange as you may think at first and i hope the fact that you're here this morning For whatever reason means that you really would like to know what on earth is going on this morning here well we're going to try and work it out briefly by looking at three key questions about baptism and the first is simply what is baptism and the answer is very simply it's a picture it's a very vivid acted out picture of an inner experience outwardly expressed And that experience is of two things, but they're combined. The first is that those being baptized are claiming that they have been washed clean. And a lot of water helps us get that, doesn't it? Now, some of you know that I wear hard contact lenses and I regularly lose them on the bathroom floor as I'm taking them out. Uh, I lost one on Thursday night. I spent half an hour on my knees in the bathroom, trying to find it with a powerful torch. And one of the, I did find it in the end, you'll be glad to know. One of the extraordinary things when you do that, I recommend this when you get home, or maybe tonight when it's dark, get down on your hands and knees in your bathroom, get a powerful torch and just scan across the floor. You are in for a shock. Bathroom floors are disgusting. Even if you cleaned them this morning, they are disgusting. They are so filthy. And it's the same with our hearts. When God's light shines brightly into our hearts, what we thought was all nice and shiny and clean actually turns out to be yuck. and we realize how much we need cleansing on the inside. Paul talked about this, doesn't he? He used that phrase of becoming more and more aware of, these are his words, my own baked in sinfulness. He used the phrase sin-ridden humans, that's what we are. It's like ingrained dirt in your fingernails that can be very hard to get out. Well, how do we remove the inner dirt that's inside each one of us? Well, when the Apostle Paul, that's not this Paul, that's the Apostle Paul, uh, became a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God came upon him and he was immediately baptized, we read in the book of Acts from which we read earlier. And years later, we read this later in the book of Acts, in Acts 22, he described his, his baptism as a washing away of sins as he called on the name of Jesus. Baptism itself does not wash away sins. As we go down into the water and Linda and Paul are baptized, that does not wash away their sins. It it is a picture of what God has done in their life. They are already washed clean by God and his holy, pure, cleansing spirit. But baptism is an outward picture of that internal washing. So Christian baptism symbolizes that we need to be washed clean, and if we're Christians, we have been washed clean. Only God can do it, which is why we don't baptize ourselves. Someone else has to do it, and that symbolizes how God has to do it for us on the inside. So it's a picture of washing. It's also a picture that we're washed clean. It's also a picture that we are one with Christ. We are united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. Think about it like this. How is it that Jesus washes away our sins? That's a common phrase, isn't it, in Christian circles? Well, how does that work? Well, as you read the Bible, you discover it's through his sacrifice for sins when he died on the cross. But you say, well, how does that wash away my sins? That happened 2,000 years ago. How does that benefit me today? And the answer is by a spiritual oneness with Christ, which is effected simply through faith. As we trust in his word and his promise, we discover that what happened to him 2,000 years ago, physically, in body, happens to us spiritually in him. We are united with him in his death and resurrection. So, as you think about it, when Jesus died, it wasn't just a, a demonstration of kindness or a self-sacrifice. He was actually taking our place in the face of God's judgment. Sin is a very serious matter. God isn't going to ignore it. He's going to bring justice in this world one day, which is wonderful to know in a world full of injustice. But that justice is going to involve sorting me out and you out as well. We're not accepted. And that means it's wonderful news that Jesus took our place and substituted for us when he died for sin not his own he was the only person who's ever lived who never needed to die for his own sin he stood in the place of sinners he stood in your place and mine if we trust in him when you become a christian the extraordinary thing is that you're treated by god as if you yourself had died with christ and risen with him so your sins are paid for paul talked about it like this in his letter to the church in rome he said don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him, through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, in other words, raised to a new life. And of course, he's talking to Christians in Rome who were baptized the day where they were converted, so their baptism, and their conversion all happened on the same day. And water baptism is a picture of that spiritual oneness with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. Linda and Paul will go down into the water, which is an element of death. We know that, we drown if we stay underwater; we die. But they will not stay under, they will come up. And that is a picture of resurrection. Rising with Christ to start a new life. That's what baptism is. It's a picture of being washed clean and made one with Christ in his death and resurrection. But you say, what if people already know I'm a Christian? Isn't that enough? What if I've been a Christian for many years? Isn't it too late to get baptized? Well, that brings us to our second question. Why be baptized? Now, Linda and Paul have already given us the clear answer to that. I just want to show you where it comes from Scripture. They've made it clear that one of the big things driving their decision to be baptized today is the fact that Jesus and his apostles command it. So Jesus' famous last words to the church were at the end of Matthew, where he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What a claim. So what? Well, therefore, go and make disciples from all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And of course, the command he's just given is to go and make disciples, baptizing them, those disciples. So on that day, we read earlier from Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on God's people seven weeks after Christ's death and resurrection. This is what Peter, the apostle, said when those in the crowd who realized that they'd made the biggest mistake of their life in crucifying or crying out for Christ to be crucified, if that's what they'd done. And they said, what, what, what must we do to be saved? What are we supposed to do? And do you you remember what he said? He said this, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, every single one of you needs to turn around, change their mind about Jesus. And I think the being baptized is how that repentance is to be expressed. I think that's what Peter is saying. It's not two separate things, it's one and the same thing. You need to demonstrate that you've changed your view about Jesus by submitting to baptism. How can we claim to be obedient followers of the Lord Jesus Christ if we refuse to follow one of his commands? It's like if you met someone who claimed to be a Christian, but they said, um, I know Jesus' death is really important, and I do try and remember it often, but I don't believe in this sort of bread and taking a cup thing. I don't see why you have to do that. I I can remember Jesus' death perfectly well without it. And what do you say to such a person if you're a Christian as well? Well, do you not say to them, and incidentally, there are some, I won't name them, but there is a particular Christian group which does not practice uh, the Lord's Supper. You may have been brought up in it. What do you say to them? Surely, is this, well, I hear what you're saying, but Jesus said, do it. So we don't argue with our Lord, do we? He said, do this in remembrance, so we do it. And so it is with baptism. We do it out of obedience to Christ. Third question, who's it for? Who is baptism for? Well, we've already answered it in a sense. It's for followers of Jesus Christ, for disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples from all nations, baptizing them, the disciple. And to be a disciple means to be a learner, literally. It's to have your L plates up and to be a follower of Jesus. That's how you become a disciple. You hear the message. Maybe you're hearing it today for the first time. The good news about Jesus, that if you trust in his death and resurrection, your sins can be wiped clean. You can be washed clean. You can start a new life as you join with him in his death and resurrection. But the bottom line in becoming a follower of Jesus is that it's God's power that does it. There's that moment where God breaks into your life. It might be over a period of time. It might be just in one moment and God breaks in and he convinces us. And we hear and believe. Now, one of the reasons we don't, for example, baptize babies here is because babies can't hear and believe in the sense that the Bible talks about, though we're We do thank God for new babies and we have a thanksgiving for new babies. So if you've just had one or are about to have one, ask us about a thanksgiving. We want to rejoice with you. But baptism is for believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. People who for themselves have turned from living selfishly and self-centeredly and from their sin and put their trust entirely in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So baptism follows faith, and as you read the story of the early church, time and again it's made clear they believed and were baptized. One of the great examples of that is where the Apostle Peter is led by the Lord through a vision that he had, which was a very troubling vision to him, for him, to a Roman soldier, um, a centurion, a captain, if you like, in, in the army guy by the name of Cornelius. And this is what we read in the book of Acts chapter 10. As Peter preaches, he says to Cornelius and his household, all the prophets testify about Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. That's the heart of the good news. Then we read this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Then Peter said, we read a few verses later, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So Peter ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Fascinating, isn't it? All of them had come to believe in Jesus and received the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so what does Peter do? He doesn't make a suggestion. Here's an idea. He orders that they're baptized. I like that. They were clearly believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who had now received the Holy Spirit. So they should be baptized. So where does this leave you? I don't know, I know some of your situations, but I don't know all of them. Maybe you're already a believer who has been baptized. (laughs) I'm in that situation. I was baptized nearly 50 years ago as a 19-year-old. Do you know what? I can still remember it as if it were yesterday. I can still picture in my mind the building, the Baptist tree. I can still see what happened and is that because I've got a particularly good memory ask my wife I have a terrible memory it's because it was such an important day in my life as a follower of Jesus and every time I think back about that day I thank God that I heard the good news about the Lord Jesus and that God convinced me by his Holy Spirit of my sin and my need of forgiveness and of the wonderful provision in the Lord Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, and that his death and resurrection and resurrection could be my death and resurrection. And if that's you, and you think back to the day you were baptized, then rejoice afresh and determine afresh that with God's enabling, you will walk in fellowship with the Father and the Son and with other believers in a local church, be it here or where you come from. But maybe you're a believer who's never been baptized as a believer. Well, let me encourage you to think of Jesus' command to be baptized and reflect on these wonderful words of the Lord Jesus, where he said in John 14, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Do you love the Lord? I hear you maybe saying, of course I love the Lord you, Lord you know that I love you well obedience to Christ is the key to fellowship with God but don't let the fact that you might have been baptized as a baby stop you don't let the passing of years stop you in mean, Linda and Paul are a great example today of how it might be decades but that's not a reason not to be baptized If it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do. I like what Paul said when he used that analogy of um, the, uh, if I can find it, of marriage and people who say, well, we live together, we don't need to get married. What difference does that make? Again, quoting Paul, the answer is simple. Commitment is forged and reinforced if it is accompanied by a clear decision, public ceremony, and a statement in front of one's friends and family. Baptism has, I think, similar characteristics. I think it's an excellent illustration, don't you? That people who say it's no different, living together and being married, Well, it is different. Marriage is meant to be a public commitment. And when you get married, it does make a huge difference. It's not the same as living together. So let me encourage you to think about that. If you're a believer who's never been baptized as a believer. And if you're not yet a believer, we're nearly finished. If you're not yet a believer here this morning, you're so welcome And as you watch Linda and Paul being baptized in a couple of minutes, just think about what's being symbolized and apply it to your own life. Recognize that inside you're not a clean person, you are an unclean person, that as we are, God's seeing our hearts and God alone knows the hearts of everyone. He knows your heart, he knows my heart in a way that no one else does. And what he sees, he tells us that what he sees is, is not acceptable, and we have to accept that. And as they go down into the water, think about what it speaks of, being washed clean, and ask yourself, do I not need to be washed clean? And realize that through faith in Christ and his death for sins, you can be washed clean on the inside. Before you ever get near water, Though this would follow if what we're saying today is true. And as they come out of the water, think about this. This is coming out symbolizing a new life, a whole new life. If you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing is the same ever again. And it's all a change for good. It doesn't mean you escape the suffering of this world or mortality. We're all going to die unless Jesus comes first. But what a hope we have of resurrection and eternal life in a perfect world. And it's yours if you simply turn and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the vows that are made as they're baptized. Listen to the questions and ask yourself, could I make those answers to those questions? Well, may the Lord help you to reach that point. Let's pray. now Father we pray that you would help us to accept that what we're doing this morning is what the Lord asks of us of us as followers of the Lord Jesus for those of us who've Being baptized in this way, Lord, please reinforce the joy of having publicly declared for Christ, nailed our colors to the mast, pledged our allegiance to our Lord and Savior. Father, if it's time we were baptized, and if like like Paul, we've been thinking, well, maybe next time. Lord, make it next time we pray for us. And if we're not trusting in the Lord Jesus yet, we pray that as we watch this graphic picture that you would bring home to us that this is the gospel portrayed before our eyes. We too may be washed clean and one with Christ in his death and resurrection, rising to life eternal through faith in him. May that day come soon, if not today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.